And we're back. <laughs> Here we are. Thank you for tuning in to the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Van Good Time podcast, the only podcast that identifies, biographies, and signifies all of the figures on the Beatles' 1967 album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Today's episode, we'll be talking about Stan Laurel and Richard Lindner. Richard Lindner. Lindner. I don't even know who that is. He comes between lunch and dinner. Well, we watched uh, we watched Sons of the Desert before we came here because I love that movie, um, and Joe's never seen it. I've never seen it. And I wanted to talk about it anyway, and I figured that was a great way of us both being on the same page about it, because then things that I might not think to say about it, you know, you'll have some insight. But that Sons of the Desert was uh, Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy, probably their most popular movie. I'm here to talk about Stan Laurel today. Uh, He was born Arthur Stanley Jefferson, June 16th of 1890. He was an English comic actor, writer, and film director. He was I also he the, was English. Yeah, he was he sounded it. I don't know oh if yeah. he was putting that on. No, okay. he was from him and Charlie Chaplin actually uh, were part of like one of the fa- same film troops at a certain time, and I think they both moved to New York at the same time too. I think I didn't write that down, so I could be flubbing details. But he he was familiar with Chaplin, and they started around the same time. Um, a lot of people think of fat guy, skinny guy teams, Laurel and Hardy were one of the greatest, maybe the prototypical, um, Abbott and Costello did a very, very, very different thing. I feel like some people, cause they both wore bowlers, you know, they were both, they were both fat guy, skinny guy with bowlers, mm-hmm. but in Laurel and Hardy, Stan Laurel was the skinny one, but he was shorter than Hardy. Although you can't tell that on the album cover, which, by the way, if you don't have your album out... Because their heads are just popping up like Pez dispensers. Precisely. Yeah. But whereas an Abbott... And also, uh, Laurel was the kind of the foil. He was the dummy, you know? Even though they were both dumb. Whereas in Abbott and Costello, Costello is the fat one, but he's the shorter one. And he's the dummy. And the skinny one is the tall one, and he's the jerk. So the fat guy, skinny guy thing works no matter how you do it. You just got to have a fat guy and a skinny guy, and they got to be kind of different. And it always works. You got to hit. But, uh, yeah. That movie, uh, let's let's just talk about Laurel for a minute, and then, and then I want to talk about the movie. But he'd been making uh-huh. movies since 1917. But then in 1927... After making about 67 film appearances, he teamed up with Oliver Hardy, and they worked together pretty much exclusively until Hardy died in 1957. The interesting thing about how they got together is that they weren't even really supposed to work together. Laurel got hired as a screenwriter and director at Hal Roach Studios, who also did, uh, I think, the not the Bowery Boys. They did the um, the Little Rascals and our gang comedies. Hal Roach mm-hmm. did that. 
Um, but he was going to be a writer-director. And then Oliver Hardy, who was in the film that Laurel was directing, I think the film that he was directing, but they both worked at the studio. Oliver Hardy got injured. He was burned by a leg of lamb and had to be hospitalized. Way to play into stereotypes back in the 1930s. So they brought Laurel in, apparently to replace him. Didn't Hitchcock write they were a, the a ex- short story about that, too? I don't know. Did he? He has a horror. Of course, it's a Alfred horror mystery. Hitchcock? Yeah. Is it called Dial uh, Dial L for Lamb? L for Lamb Leg. No, no hit L twice for Lamb Leg. No, there's a story where... Press like, zero wife... to speak to a Lamorator. Lamorators are standing by. A uh, like the wife kills her husband with the lamb leg and then serves it to the the police and the detective when they come over to investigate it. Oh, really? I think that's a Hitchcock short story. Yeah. Wait, it wasn't. He never filmed that. No, I think it was just one of his oh. stories. Or m- maybe you filmed it. I too. didn't even know Hitchcock wrote things that he didn't film. I believe yeah. you. That's just something that I didn't even know. Um. But yeah, they weren't even supposed to work together. He had to step in. The short, skinny guy had to step in and take the place of the tall, fat guy in the movie that he couldn't finish. But then they just ended up working together for years. Stan Laurel was married uh, to four different women, one of them twice. But it was his fifth and final marriage to, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, Ida Kataiva Raphael in 1946 that would last for the rest of his life. He was... 74 years old, February 23rd, 1965, when he died. He always kept his phone number listed in the phone directories. So fans could call him or anyone that wanted to could call him. And famously, um, uh, Lewis, Lewis, Jerry Lewis was one of those people, called him for some advice early on in his career. Dick Van Dyke uh-huh. also gave Stan Laurel a little ring-a-ding-ding on the telephone. He kept his number listed. And this was, like, way into his career. So, After I don't... He tripped over a lot of Ottomans. I was just... On the way to the phone. Dick Van Dyke? Yeah. yeah. He was going to call well, him sometimes earlier. he didn't trip. Sometimes he gracefully danced around or over the Ottoman, like Fred Astaire. Like Fred Astaire. Just like Fred Astaire. Learn more about him on... The first season of this show. He definitely... Uh, <laughs> if you're diving in right now, I don't know why you would, but hey, welcome. <laughs> he definitely tripped on the way to the phone call on Stan Laurel. And if he didn't, he got all tangled up in the phone cord while he was talking to him. But yeah, I thought that was really cool because I did not know that he was that sweet. I mean, I knew he was probably a cool dude. He was the brains of Laurel and Hardy as well. From watching it, uh, from watching Sons of the Desert, he, he seemed like he wouldn't be the one in charge. He he really holds it back that he's almost the like he's a humble it. guy, mm-hmm. right? Because you would assume that he would be writing himself all the cool dialogue. Yeah, if he was really the brains behind it, he would be coming up with all the the best lines for himself. Like sugar, sugar, <laughs> sugar. Stanley locked himself out of his house. Would it be okay if he stayed at our place just until his wife came home? Such a little p- 
puss. We'll talk more about him tomorrow. Next week. Next year. Next time we get in the box. Well, uh, let's talk about your guy, and then I want to talk about the movie, kind of. Sure. Sure, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to the Suns. They might be the only comedy team or, like, even just team up, period, that are on the cover of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I can't think of any other people that actually, like, were known for working together. Only on the ones would be the, the Barry Boys, Leo Gorsi. And, but Gorsi's but at least not, not on even the cover. There. No. Just but hunts. that was the intention. So. Yeah. There was that. Quick look at it. Uh, yeah. Well, we know Stan Laurel didn't need the $400. <laughs> Richard Lindner, uh, German, then American, uh, painter. He was born in uh, 1901 on 11-11. Make a wish. Make a wish. Uh, in Hamburg, Germany, where the Beatles actually kind of got um, pretty famous there. In 29, he moved from uh, Hamburg to uh, Munich. Uh, three days, three years later, uh, he left there uh, when Hitler was declared uh, chancellor. That was in uh, 1933. Went to Paris, but got caught up in Paris and was actually imprisoned in, uh, for lack of a better term, a concentration camp uh, for a few years. Um, eventually got out. Uh, couldn't really find out how he got out, but uh, got out uh, by 41 and sailed to New York, where he worked as a magazine and book illustrator. Once again, this guy's a painter. Uh, so it wasn't really until then he started doing what he became known to do. Um, and then he really didn't start painting until he was about 40. So if you're under 40 out there or just hitting 40 and you think you haven't done it, it's never too late. Uh, in 52, he got the Award of Distinctive Merit uh, for a depiction he did of Immanuel Kant. If you haven't seen any of this guy's work, uh, it draws a lot of sort of abstract and also Rubenesque people a lot of colors um again i can't uh, can't emphasize abstract kant of the enlightenment movement of the enlightenment movement yeah the other painter okay yeah no no of maybe what you're thinking about i'm thinking i'm thinking of klimt yeah kant. oh kant it is kant. kant i got klimt on my mind i love klimt is kant is he the one that you were talking about though kant is canon yeah kant is the guy emmanuel okay kant Richard Lindler would have been 66 years old on the day in question that this picture was taken. Um, but he uh, was, uh, well, no, he would have been, and he didn't die. He died two years after the album came out. So he got to see himself on there. Probably a choice of Peter Blake being him as the, the artist. I think all the painters and the artists that are chosen to be on the cover there are mostly his choice. Peter Blake? Yeah. He was the photographer? The, or was he one of the, the artistic designer. Of, oh, yeah, of the, the designer. Of, of the cover in question. Why do I remember, I um, can't think of his name now, but from uh, Quantum Leap, the, uh, the cool guy that had the little Ziggy calculator, he'd be like, Sam... Got it. Ah, come on. You know who I'm talking about. Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. Why was he a part of this album again? Because he was. Dean Stockwell? Yeah. 
No, I think he took the he took the, the picture of Marilyn Monroe. Did he? I think that's is that where he came up from. He, I, I guess, don't know where you're getting this from. He but had I'm, something to do with he had something to do with the album cover. I just for some reason I was thinking that he was like a creative director of some kind. Maybe he took one of the pictures that was used. I think he did that's take one of her. the pictures. I did, in, in my research uh, for today's episode, I did find a fun website that someone goes into tracking down what the stock photo was for all of these pictures. Oh. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Do I have it up there still? No, I closed that tab. No, I didn't. Yeah, a little shout-out to this. It's uh, just sergeantpeppersphotos.wordpress.com. Pretty intensive uh, look. There's a few that he still doesn't know, and he's looking for your help. Or they are. I didn't read about whose website it is. Um, What's the name of the website again? Sergeant Pepper Photos. All one word, because it's a website. Sergeant Pepper Photos. SGT? SGT, yeah. SGT Pepper Photos. That WordPress. All right. I need to scroll through that later. Sergeant Pepper's what? Yo, we we bump in the new Sergeant Pepper remix. Sergeant Pepper's cookbook. Got the got the new S Peps remix. Got some new S Pep leak with the uh, here fresh for you tonight in the studio. Speaking of the studio, and I'm glad you pointed out the fire extinguisher. I'd always feel safe in here knowing that that's here. I don't feel safe here at all. I feel like I'm in a dungeon where people are taking pictures of me having sex but not enjoying it and then getting killed afterwards. See, that's a safe space for me, so okay. I, I like it. We are here at the Golden Ox Studio in Cleveland, Ohio. And, yeah, it's... Mm-mm-mm. It gets better and better every time. It does. N- now with more taxidermy. He took the curtains off the barred window. So we can reveal. get, we can still see now. We can see outside now. Before I didn't know if we were in here for like ten minutes or like three days. I know it's upstairs, but sometimes it feels like we're downstairs. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's dungeonous, but it's actually it's more of a treehouse. Well, that's because Golden Ox Studios exists within a gyroscopic structure. Tell me more about that. Well, you saw when we walked in. You weren't wondering what all those like circular things were that were just spinning around each other. Honestly, I don't remember anything with the little about brick, the outside. Once I come in here... In the middle. No, see, I, I I retain no memory of what, <laughs> what happens outside of here when we sit down. It's just all this. It's almost, it's almost as if there's some sort of severance between the working part of your life and the fun part of your life. That's a good. It's a good word to use for that. Almost like, uh, like someone did an operation so that when you went to work, you didn't remember what it was like at home, and then when you left work, you didn't remember what work was like. And Adam Scott was there. Interesting. It's a great show, Severance. Sounds like a fun fever dream. It's a good show. You have to have Apple. Uh, to watch it, though. You gotta have Apple Records to watch it. Do you know why the Apple has a bite taken out of it? Because of Adam. No. Be- no, Adam didn't eat his own apple. Uh. 
He should have. There would have been no need to bring a woman into it. Could have taken both of his ribs, and then he would have had a great time. So of the two, of the two we've talked about, Stern, Laurel, Richard Lindler. I'm thinking Mae West would talk to Stan Laurel. Well, she probably knew him. Oh, probably. If I had to guess. Yeah. Because, I don't know, I feel like Laurel and Hardy was pretty popular. They were not A-listers at that time period. Hell Roach Studios was like a little grindhouse mm-hmm. operation. It was, it was a bit B. I mean, you saw some of those edits. Yeah. Those well, were... I, I figured that was just because of the time. That's bad editing. <laughs> I've seen movies from that same time period that had beautiful editing. Fades, the shots. were. It's just that they were pumping those movies out. So there would be like a cut on a close-up, and then they would cut, and then it would just be, like, a little bit farther away, same angle, bad bad cut. Bad but cut. Um, sometimes that would happen because the film's damaged, but I'm pretty sure they were just pumping those movies out, and then they had to tape them together manually back then. Oh, yeah. So they probably carpooled. Yeah, Maybe. for sure. Trolley pool. Ring, um, ring, ring goes the bell. Yeah, I think I think she would go for Stan Laurel. I think Stan Laurel was a pretty, uh, pretty fun, fun, clever, witty person. Without a doubt, he was the one that wrote most of the bits. <laughs> Setting: a bustling street in a small town. Stan Laurel and Mae West are walking down the street, arm in arm. Stan is wearing a signature bowler hat, and Mae is elegantly dressed in a glamorous gown. They walk with a slight wobble, indicating their characteristic clumsiness. I didn't know Mae West was known for being clumsy. No. Oh boy, Mae. This place sure is busy today. Well, Stan, you know what they say. Wherever I go, the crowd follows. They do? I didn't know you were selling hot dogs. Oh, Stan, you're always such a few steps behind. But speaking of food, I could go for a bite. How about a little lunch? That sounds swell, May. But where should we eat? Leave it to me, Stan. I know just the place. Follow my lead. They enter a restaurant. The waiter greets them with a smile. Good afternoon, folks. Table for two? Oh, darling, we don't need a table. We prefer a booth. Something private, if you catch my drift. A drift? Is it snowing in here? Right this way, folks. I have just the booth for you. They follow the waiter to a booth at the back of the restaurant. Gee, May, this is cozy, but why did we need a private booth? Stan, it's because we're famous. We need to eat incognito. Oh, I love eating incognito. It's like being a superhero. You always find a way to make things more interesting, Stan. 
The waiter hands them menus and leaves. May, I'm having trouble deciding. What's good here? Well, Stan, there's only one thing that's truly good. Me. But if you're talking about the food, I'd recommend the lobster. Lobster. Got it. Are you ready to order, folks? I'll have the lobster, please. And I'll have the same, but make sure it's fresh. I don't want anything less than the best. Very well. The lobster will be out shortly. While they wait, Stan starts fidgeting with the utensils on the table. May, do you know what this thing is for? It's all pointy. Stan, that's a fork. It's for eating. You use it to spear your food. Spear? Are we hunting for dinner too? Oh, Stan, you're a riot. No, just use it to eat your lobster. Here are your fresh lobsters, folks. Enjoy. Oh boy, lobster time. Stan picks up his fork and tries to spear the lobster, but ends up launching it across the restaurant, causing chaos. Oh, Stan, you always find ways to make dinner more adventurous. Sorry, May. I guess I'm not so good with forks and spears. That's all right, Stan. Let's just enjoy the mess you've made. We'll have a story to tell. They laugh heartedly as the chaos ensues, making a mess of the restaurant. The scene fades out with Stan and May surrounded by lobster shells and happy chaos. Hmm. End of sketch. It sounded more like she was uh, a social worker and he was <laughs> a mentally disabled client whose finances she was responsible for. <laughs> yeah, and they went to the booth because she didn't want to be seen with yeah. them. That's, that's the privacy she wanted. Ah, they had fun, though. I like that she said uh, that they should enjoy the mess that they've gotten into. It was a nice sly wink to mm. uh, how frustrated Hardy would get with them. See, that wouldn't be funny. That would not be... Mae West and... If it was like that, it wouldn't be funny. Because she was just coddling him and laughing with him. She was, like, pretending to laugh with him. She was enabling his stupidity. Right. Let's set up the first half of the movie, because we still got to talk about Oliver Hardy in the next episode, and I feel like it would be fun... Cause you know, like if you like what if you like what this sounds like, it's free on YouTube. Okay, Sons of the Desert is free on YouTube, and the version that we watched seemed like it was pretty decent quality. Yeah, there yeah, might even is. be there but might even the be a better fault. quality upload of it. Um, but yeah, you want to get it started? <laughs> sure. Yeah, you you stop me when I when I go too far on it. Or if, um, all right. So they're in this group called the Sons of. The Sand, which is kind of like the, a water buffalo or Knights of Columbus sort yeah. of uh, social club. And they make an oath that they're all going to go to this this party, this convention, this gathering in Chicago. And they uh, basically their, their wives don't let them. And so they come up with a big ruse to get them to go. Uh, this is Laurel and Hardy. They come up with a, a plan that ironclad, 
we're gonna get to go, and it works. Hardy pretends go. to be to to be, um, I guess, having physical. Uh, He's emotionally Physical distraught. manifestations of emotional distress. Because <laughs> she had his feet in a bucket full of hot water, and he was just moaning in pain. And like an ice pack on his head, too. Yeah, with an ice pack on his head. And she's like, oh, you poor dear, you've had a nervous breakdown. That's <laughs> definitely what it is. <laughs> but he had all these is, fever symptoms, all these very obvious fever symptoms. She's like, oh, baby, you've had a nervous breakdown, haven't you? Yeah, so you get a doctor. Who's, who's not a real a, doctor. He's well, a veterinarian. Yeah. <laughs> and he tells them that the only way that he can get better is if they go to this convention. Uh, or no, is no. if they go, is if he get he gets some like rest and relaxation in Honolulu. Specifically. It has to be Honolulu or he won't get better. It can't be mountain air. It no. has to be tropical air. Because <laughs> they were supposed to go to the mountains together. Yeah. Won't the mountains do just as well? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> the only cure for your husband's malady is a trip to Honolulu. <laughs> and whatever and the doctor says, it. you know, the doctor's always right. Even though he's got a truck full of dogs right out front. There's a truck full of barking dogs <laughs> directly out front. He calls the ailment that he has something like... Canine delirium. Canis delirious. Canis delirious, that's it. Yeah, and when he was checking him, when he was doing his, like, physical exam, he was, like, grabbing his lips and pulling pulling them apart to look at his teeth. Hmm. Ah. Oh. How do you get him to swallow the pill? Uh, he, like, pats his cheek or something, or, like, pats his head. <laughs> he doesn't have to just sit up also. <laughs> If he's talking to a dog, he puts the pill in his mouth and like holds his mouth shut, but then he like tickles his nose or something, which makes him impulsively swallow. It's a giant pill, too. That was a horse pill. That was definitely a pill that was supposed to be taken by a dog. What was in that pill? You don't know. No. Probably a sedative. Yeah. There's a good possibility he shouldn't have survived taking that pill. But they had to make it look real. Should we tell more about what happens? Yeah. I mean, what's... Oh, yeah, and then they get to the convention. They go. They get to go. Awesome. <laughs> Hooray for them. It's worked. And they have a grand old time. They have a great time with a whole lot of douchebaggery. There's ass slapping. Uh, but, like, it's all dudes. In Ex- fact, I think they the accidentally. No, no, no there, there, there's ladies there. Right, but I meant they don't. They don't actually slap any ladies' asses. Not on mm-hmm. purpose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think one lady gets slapped on the butt, but it's an accident. Mm-hmm. So they're just doing all of this like gay bro stuff, like not gay bro like stuff, but in the 1930s, what was it like a like a cricket bat that they were using? Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> Real fraternal. Were they saying that? Thank you, sir. May I have another? No, that's from... Oh. Um, yeah, Animal House. Animal House, yeah. yeah. The mm-hmm. They make some phone calls while they're there. Phony phone calls. At one point, they accidentally call one of their own houses. Well, I don't know if it's an accident. 
It was well. No, it was a prank. It was. He deliberately pranked his own house. No, his friend. Yeah. Thought it'd be funny because they come clean to him about the story they did. They picked a random phone number to call, though. They were calling random numbers. I'm pretty sure. Because he didn't know oh. he was talking to his wife until she said the address. Let's cut it off there. Bye, right? Because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Bye, sugar. Oh, but, but before that, if, uh, if you're not enthused to watch this yet, uh, there's a musical number, I think, right before the phone call. Yeah. Honolulu Baby. That's a good song. It's a great little song. Uh, well-performed. I actually enjoyed nice the ukulele uh, rendition by Oliver Hardy himself, probably to the uh, bigger orchestration that they did earlier on. I thought his version had more of a nice modern indie, indie vibe to it. I like that it has like a reprise, really yeah. bookended the movie nicely. Yeah. But yeah, watch it. It's only an hour long. Uh, you'll... You know, it's almost exactly an hour long and it is free. You can't even get in trouble. It's public domain. And it passes the Bechtel test. Yeah. If that's a thing you're concerned about. Yeah. Neither of the ladies were looking for a man. <laughs> they both had names. Well, all of their problems stemmed from men, though. Yeah, but they have a dialogue that it's not all about. Oh, yeah, men. that's true. That's true. The Bethel test just has to have one conversation that's one not about conversation men. <laughs> with two female characters that have names. <laughs> it's a pretty low bar, <laughs> but it's amazing how many movies don't go over that bar. <laughs> Sons of the Desert. Sons of the Desert. Passes. Spreads the butter. <laughs> passes the test. Yeah. Wow. I never would have thought. And they were pretty respectful to their, to their wives, too. There was a little bit of domestic violence, but it was never towards the women. No, they were always the butt of it. <laughs> Who are we switching? We got to do that before oh, we say goodnight to the fine folks. I think we got to... It's got to be fair. I think David Spade... Who became James, James? The Spader. last time, the, well, that's the thing. The last time we were gonna do David Spade, it just turned into James Spader, and then I think that turned into some weird monstrosity. I'm Dan. I'm really glad you brought this up in a minute to make uh, not a correction because it's already it's already written in stone in your ears. Uh, you've heard it. It was going to be David Spade for Hunts Hall. Yeah, it was yeah. Hunts second Hall, bananas. Second banana. But then I, uh, in in Stan Laurel fashion, malimpropped in a way, yeah, and turned David Spade into James Spader. And also then in we, a very Leo Gorsi kind of way. Leo Gorsi did a lot of malaprops. All right, yeah. So uh, it's poetic that that happened. But yeah, spoiler from our last season. If you haven't listened, he's holding a bottle of Hunt's ketchup. Hunt's ketchup. That's right. Yeah. James Spader and a bottle of Hunt's ketchup. So we're bringing back David Spade. I think that's super fair. Yeah, because we yeah. know who we know who Hardy's gonna be. <laughs> we do. I mean, I feel but like you don't because do. you that, haven't heard the that, episode yet. Is that a big surprise? I'm saying Hardy's gonna be who ah, you already know who. I'm gonna bleep it out if you say it. All right. <laughs> And then uh, Lindner, Lindner, 
German American abstract weird eroticism painter. Did we did we do anything with uh Giger yet? I don't think we got Giger. I think we mentioned him before though. We've probably mentioned him, but did and we I might ever... have pronounced it Geiger. I think it's Giger. You're in big trouble now, mister. You got it, dude. <laughs> what you talking about, Willis? Whoa. Did I do that? Every penny makes the water warmer. I want my $10,000. Or wait, no, it wasn't. $400. I want my $400. <laughs> uh, Type your favorite child star catchphrase into the comments below and maybe we'll read them you know what i've been hoping for because i see a lot of compilations of catchphrases from sitcoms on the internet but i know that's what i call a compilation <laughs> now that's what i call a catchphrase but I haven't seen one of Jack Tripper from Three's Company just saying Chrissy over and over in every scene that he's ever said Chrissy. And I feel like that would be really funny if someone put that on YouTube where it's just like Chrissy, 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 Chrissy. Because that's what he did. <laughs> Get a couple Janets in there every now and again, but we really know it's all about Chrissy. There's a great one of Don Draper just saying, what? 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 Is there? What? Yeah, all this from the first season. Maybe the first two, but just early Mad Men. I love that. It's, it's gold. He just says, what, over and over? Yeah. Isn't there a, a compilation of all the times Owen Wilson said, wow? That has to be out there. I've seen lightsaber duels where they replaced all the lightsaber sounds with Owen Wilson saying, wow. <laughs> There's this fucking short version of the Big Lebowski where just every time they say fuck. And if you've seen the movie enough. Then they say you, Donnie. No, I think it's just the. Uh, might, might be the full line if there's a sentence. Isn't it's it fuck you, great. Donnie? Isn't that the line? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. This was pretty good. I think it's a you nice should... place to end at. Yeah, it is. Any last words to say about uh, these two before they're um, you got it, dude. Packed up? Did I do that 